0: The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now. welcome to this week's live q a around the planet and it's laura rosen cohen joining you from suburban toronto southern ontario it is a lovely day april 21st uh 2023 i'm really delighted and honored to be here uh to substitute for the regular substitute guest host Uh, Many thanks, of course, as always, to Mark Stein himself for tolerating me. He is a man of infinite patience. Gotta love that guy. Um, As noted, um, Mark is playing a very significant role in the upcoming coronation of King Charles. Um, I think it was Greta Thunberg who dropped out of the... um, Conducting of the cisgendered unicorn um, WF sponsored choir. So, Mark, you know, was kind enough to fill in at the last moment. And so he's really busy with his rehearsals. Um, somebody else is polishing the crown. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on right now in good old London town. So, I'm going to do my very best to keep you amused and uh, to pontificate on various subjects. We have a, a great lot of uh, questions already and uh, please feel free to throw in whatever uh, topics you fancy. Uh, I'm gonna be with you for the next hour and uh, candle lighting for those of you who are also Sabbath, Jewish Sabbath observers. Candle lighting on the East Coast, 7.50 p.m. Ladies, get your candles ready, bring a little light into the world. Uh, Even if you're not Jewish, you know, uh, lighting a candle I think is also a great Catholic tradition. So bring some light down to earth uh, for your family. Um, Small laundry list of uh, things to talk about before we get into the meat of your questions. I want to encourage everyone who hasn't already to check out Mark Stein's amazing new book. Um, You can get details on the website um, you can get copies on Amazon and I think Barnes and Nobles, whatever version they do electronically. So that's one thing. Uh, a lot of you have sent emails and been asking about how to support Mark with his lawsuit against uh, Ofcom. So really the way to do that is to buy his book, to sign up for the Mark Stein Club if you haven't already or signed up, uh, sign up a friend, give, give a membership as a gift and Also, you may want to consider signing up for the upcoming Mark Stein cruise, which is going to be amazing. It is going to be in Europe and uh, You are not going to want to miss this So if you've been thinking and hedging and you haven't made your summer plans yet Definitely definitely check it out. It is just a really fun time um, lots of really smart, nice people, great shows, um, lots of time getting to know other people with sort of like-minded opinions from all over the world. Uh, not feeling like you have to watch watch yourself, watch your mouth, watch your back. You can crack jokes freely. Um, it's a really it's a really great time. And you know, since uh, the last cruise that uh, happened in twenty nineteen, um, so much of the world has changed. I'll go into that a little bit uh, <laughs> in a moment, but. You know, if you do choose to go on the cruise, you will feel like you're sort of back in 2019 before the COVID madness. It was like the last uh, stretch of reality and the world as it ought to be uh, was was on the cruise. So I, I'm I'm confident that that is going to be recreated. So everybody do do check it out. It's going to be amazing. And those are the ways that you can support Mark um, in in this battle. And uh, you know, Mark is in it to win it. So. Keep supporting the club, um, books, memberships, uh, merchandise, gift certificates. Those are those are the ways to do it. Um, yeah, so talking about like before COVID, <laughs> I was doing a big family grocery shopping uh, yesterday in my neighborhood. And it's funny because, well, not funny, but I do remember some prices and totals of weekly groceries from a few years ago. And it was always shocking when I hit you know $120 Canadian $130 and that's even without like meats and chicken and that sort of thing cause I buy that at a different place but um, now average grocery is is like I would say on average for my family somewhere around 220 bucks for the same stuff you know and I went into this grocery store so not only the price is outrageous as I'm sure most of you can identify with but I looked around at the the counters and I was like, oh, something's really different here. What's something feels strange? What is going on here? And I noticed that it was the plastic um, barriers, you know, the super secret special antiviral plastic plexiglass panels. uh, They were gone. And I started laughing because it was the last vestige that I've seen in most stores of this COVID craziness. The idea that a plexiglass panel could protect you, you know, from a virus. It was always insane, it is still insane, and it was only last week here in Southern Ontario that these stupid plastic barriers so that you don't goober or spit or sneeze on a hapless grocery cashier were removed. So, you know, I'm still not over this stuff not forgiving people for what they did. I think we actually still have to remain quite angry about this because there's a lot of policymakers out there and a lot of politicians who are happily planning the next round of restrictions, the next virus, the next uh, jabba-jabba-jabbies, and we have to stay angry in order to insist that we're not going to go through this again. Um, You know, I remember my mom had a really flamboyant... um, gay friend, uh, since passed away. But anyways, if she was kvetching about things, sometimes he would look at her and just say, oh my God, just, you know, just get over it already. Just get over it, get over it. And so it became kind of like a family joke. If any of us were complaining about anything, just get over it, just get over it. But you know, then I had some more uh, forgiving words of advice from a secretary at a place that I worked at who said, well, really, you know, get over it is pretty harsh, and you don't really know what people are getting over or what they're struggling with. And some things you never get over, you can only get through. And I think that that is a much more um, appropriate response to so many things. Uh, it's kind of cruel to say get over it. Now, there's lots of things that human beings really can't get over. It's not possible. You know, I was talking in my column about uh the murder of children's the 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 murders in israel uh, a a mother and two of her children i mean siblings and so how are you supposed to ever how can you make an expectation of somebody to get over that is not it is not realistic and it's not human it's cruel and inhumane so you have to help people uh get through things so um i'm gonna get through this next hour like i said you guys have me until four and um, we really have a lot of uh, great questions. And I'm super, super happy to be here. And I'm super happy that um, we're just doing this <laughs> on audio and not on video, like all the newfangled shows do on video with audio. And I'll tell you why. And it's because I woke up this morning and my allergies are driving me crazy. So I woke up with what is known in this business as a face for radio. <laughs> you got that? Did everybody get that? Okay, so the hair is in a ponytail, the face is for radio, no makeup right now. It is a not glamorous scene here in Southern Ontario. But fortunately, the brain the brain is still working. So we are going to get right into your questions. And here we go. Um, we are going to start with, oh, so I get to start with some flattery. Um, Juan Otero says, only the brave are there for the guest host of a guest host of the most famous guest hosts. I am one and I will be there. Bring it on, Senora Laura. So thank you very much, Juan. I appreciate that very much. Really, um, obviously Andrew is a hard act to follow and Mark is like, you know, the grand poobah. I do not make any claims on his throne. Um, I am just here at his pleasure and because he is a very tolerant guy but thank you for that comment okay let's see Uh, chris davies has written mark has been a champion in raising awareness of the male pakistani muslim rape gangs across england wrecking havoc with vulnerable white girls there's largely an unspoken legacy and ongoing culture of rape and abuse in uk private schools both day schools and boarding and co-educational environments where safeguarding is paid lip service at best and in reality is largely ignored. Sadly, we have personal experience of this. Oh, Chris, I'm so sorry to hear that. In our case, it involved a racial dimension, but that's not always the case. Um, the common theme is that young white British girls are most vulnerable to predatory gangs of boys with the implied compliance of the schools involved in allowing them to, to effectively run riot unchecked. Not sure if this was already on the Stein online radar, but unsurprisingly, the court eunuchs of the UK legacy media are not talking about it. Best wishes to Mark. Keep well, Laura. Um, Chris, that's just awful. I'm really so sorry to hear that. Um, I wish I could say that I'm surprised, but it seems like statistically um, more people than ever are, are affected by this kind of thing in the UK. I mean, the numbers are astonishing and I think it's astonishing and like wildfire and those are with the published numbers, and you can imagine that there's a whole level of girls who are too scared to talk about what ha- what happened to them and too scared to tell their parents or anybody. And then if you get social services involved, that whole system in the UK is completely corrupted. And you you know you've raised a few really important points. So first of all, um, the fact that Mark identifies the perpetrator as mostly male Pakistani Muslim. <laughs> you know that obviously got under a lot of people's skin as tr- telling the truth often does so you know without being honest about who the perpetrators are how are you ever going to come to any kind of resolution or deal with it as an issue uh, you know it's it's the identity the religious element of it that has to be identified in order for there to be any kind of Um, solutions or any lessening of the problem, but people are not interested in that. They're scared. They're scared to talk about it. The politicians are corrupted. They're scared about not being elected because the Muslim demographic in a lot of these towns is so great. Um, So that is a real problem. So, uh, you know, kudos to you as well as Mark for um, mentioning who these people are and what their background is. Those are important elements. You know, the truth is important about these things and definitely um, white British schoolgirls are the purposeful target of this. Um, there's no question about it. So there's a racial element, there's a class element, and um, you know, on some level, it's it. One could only conclude that the social workers and all these social service people and the police, that they might actually be, um, can I say that they're enjoying it because it's it's very sadistic. They're not willing to help the victims. They make it worse for the victims. And, you know, only a select few people are talking about this in the UK. So it's Mark and Samantha, who, who is um, Samantha Smith, Mark's guest on the show, and a few other people, a few other women who are brave enough to talk about it. But um, most of the time, everybody wants you to shut up. So regarding the, um, the fact that this is happening in other schools, um, is very disturbing. And, you know, it's it's disturbing on an individual level because obviously it's destroying young women one at a time. But it also shows you it's, it's, the, it's the destruction of, of society and the cohesion of society. Um, you know, feminists have always been arguing about what rape really is. You know, is it about sex? Is it about violence? And, um, you know, obviously it's both. Um, but what I think is, and this is something that I picked up um, from Douglas Murray's uh, book. Um, I can't. I think it was um, the Madness of Crowds. And Douglas was talking about. I, there was a bit where he was talking about male, male and female relations, and male and male. Anyways, I I can't uh, recall the exact uh, words. But basically, Douglas was saying there was something about homosexual. Um, sex, and I I don't want to get too graphic, but the idea of penetrating somebody else, this is, and it, it, so it struck me that that is really um, a major component of the, of the violence of rape, and the destructiveness of, of rape, because for a woman, or even for men, you know, we, we have talked, and Mark has talked about the violation of people not wanting um, these jabba jabba injections in their body, but to have somebody else, somebody else's body in your body is the ultimate penetration of yourself and of your soul. And I don't think it's possible to recover from that. Um, You know, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, but that is the ultimate um, invasion of your person. So it is a purposeful, violent thing. And if we as a society aren't paying attention to that and aren't punishing the people who do this and punishing the cultures, uh, from 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 where they came. Uh, we are complicit in this, and that that to me is is really terrifying. So um, Chris, again, sorry to hear that that happened to you and um, stay strong. and um, again, people are free to chime in on, on, on that as well in the comments if they agree or disagree with my assessment. Um, let's take one from uh, Sandra Robinson. Sandra says, good evening, Laura. With the spreading, strengthening WEF, Great Reset of the World, what do we think our intelligence, security, police, and military forces will do in the event of unknown whether real or false emergencies and anti-public anti-democratic regulations laws restrictions limitations curfews lockdowns cancellation of opportunity rights of people associating under what government or who announced emergency pandemic disaster attack this will be crucial in any fight to keep our freedom and democracy with kind regards sandra robinson uh sandra thank you for that question it's a great question and i think we've already seen what these security and intelligence services will do they're going to screw you over. Yes, that is the answer. Um, the reason that the screwing over by security pol- p- uh, police and military happened a little bit less in in America um, during the Corona t- tyranny is, is because of the Second Amendment, because there were many people in law enforcement in America who had to really weigh uh, carefully whether it was worth risking their lives to try to subdue and terrorize fully armed citizens, you know, um, in places where there's gun control, citizens were 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 just quashed. Our rights were completely cro- quashed, and that includes, you know, most of the Commonwealth nations. Um, Canada was a disaster. Um, New Zealand, Australia, Britain was was a mess um you know and all the while they were all laughing in our faces about it because they were having their parties and their cake and their affairs um the, the entire time they were they were totally laughing at us while they did it and you know in a lot of these countries the security apparatus is completely corrupted by the left um you know Kathy Shadel uh rest in peace she had a great line about it and she said that police well especially here in Canada are uh, civil servants with guns and that's the only difference. So these people for there are, you know, very honorable people serving in military and intelligence., um, but I think a large part of them are those civil servants with guns, and they will not risk their jobs. It's a pretty cushy job for a lot of them. Um, so I think that it will require um, social cohesiveness uh, for there to be any kind of rejection by security forces of the diktats that are made by it by the government um I, I know it's pessimistic but um it's only when there's large-scale pushback like for example with the dutch farmers you know <laughs> that's how you do it it's that is the blueprint and they got elected to parliament and they caused an earthquake and that's really the only reason why the um you know the cricket eating bug farming uh, agenda is slowing down. It's because the people organized themselves, They the farmers organized, and they won the seats in the elections. So I think you have to take these threats really seriously. And I don't think that there's any guarantee that governments are not going to try to do this again to us. Just a little sip of water here. Um, speaking of the bugs, eat the bugs, eat the bugs. We have a question from Miles. Hi, Miles. Oh, I've gotten a request to top up the volume, and I am going to do that right now. I hope that's better for you guys. Uh, Miles says, are crickets kosher? Curious how the Jewish people will fare when Kloss Schwab takes over. Um, Okay, so generally speaking, bugs are totally not kosher. Um, (laughs) No bugs. In fact, uh, when you prepare food and you're Jewish and there's vegetables, you have to really wash them very carefully to make sure that there's no bugs, um, like lettuce and cauliflower and broccoli especially. Um, I believe, and I think I've mentioned this before, there might be, there's one version of crickets that is mentioned in the Bible, like a certain type of cricket that is permissible. But I think beca- generally speaking, the idea is that because we don't know that exact version, that even that is uh, verboten. So no bugs for the jews and hopefully god willing no bugs for anybody else this is just such a repulsive disgusting thing they are trying to pull on us and it is a power thing everybody knows bugs are gross and i'm planning to have a steak tonight uh no bugs okay let us see what else we got here um Alyssa alissa angel hello uh laura have you followed the news on the Nashville Christian School shooting, six people at the school were killed, and the killer was also killed. Seven dead. The shooter was a male to uh, sorry a female to male trans who wrote a yet to be released manifesto. The press quote dead names on this story, and the authorities won't release the manifesto. If you followed the story, what do you think about the reporting? Mental health issues, social contagion of this trans stuff attack at a Christian institution and anything else that caught your attention about this news story? Um, thanks, Alyssa, for this question. Uh, obviously, I my, I think this is a tragedy. It is a, a terrible murder. Um, I condemn these attacks uh, with all my heart. It is devastating. And it is clear that There's definitely a big shut up going on specifically because the shooter, the murderer is trans identified. I mean, the media get themselves into a real pickle with this. Um, They don't want to talk about it. They just want to brush it, brush it across. They want to actually, they were painting the murderer as the real victim. I think, you know, before, before the blood was even washed from the pavement at the school. So I think it's horrendous. And I think that um, we are approaching the tipping point on on this trans stuff. Um, we are seeing enough videos and enough footage, enough undercover, hearing enough stories from detransitioners, who are uh, relaying the horror of what this, um, the medical establishment, and what crazy parents and what what the TikTok encouragement are doing, and this idea of affirmation, affirming. Uh, is doing to so many children and young people. and it it is uh, these medical interventions, the castration, removal of breasts, utery, uterus, um, you know, sterilizing kids, pumping them up with hormones. for for children who clearly have some kind of mental issues, that's really a great recipe for making everything a lot worse, everything. I mean, you know, regular women who have menstrual cycles get a little crazy sometimes during their cycles. But imagine taking away women's body parts. I mean, what do you do with the emotions? What do you do with everything? So it's a huge mess. It's purely evil. And this kind of violence is going to keep on happening um, they're hiding the manifesto because they don't want people to see the truth. Because the minute you pull out one of the cards about how awful this whole mess is and how truly sinister it is, there will be more of a there'll be a quicker public reckoning. And like I said, it's starting to happen. There's there's at least some people who are willing to go public and discuss this stuff. Um, but they don't the the media don't want it to happen fast. There's a lot of people just like COVID who are making a lot of money. And there's a lot of um, really, really psycho, weird, kooky parents who have a vested interest in um, claiming that their kids are trans, posting videos, making money, TV shows, this kind of weird um, Munchausen type of thing, and it makes them feel very special. So there's a lot of really sick people out there, and I think we have to do everything that we can to... Protect children, and um, it's really unfortunate that this kind of craziness. Again, another Kathy Shadleism. She basically said, you know, yesterday's progressive ideas are today's social policy, and that that is true. And we have to we have to fight against that. You know, we have to fight against the very vocal, agitated, crazy minority um, that is pushing this forward. And the reason that we have to do that is because it's just one more element of trying to destroy our entire society. You know, um, destroy everything that's beautiful, family, siblings, marriage, um, commonality, civilized behavior. So we have to push back really hard. Um, I hope that answers your question. It's a disaster of a story and it's really, uh, really upsetting and it's going to keep happening um, until people push back even harder. Um, Let's go to Matt. Matt matt says increasingly islam seems more tolerant of transgenders than homosexual homosexuality which is a head scratcher the islamic republic of iran will pay for sex chain surgery while homosexuality is illegal at pain of death i don't get it have you followed this out of curiosity what is the jewish view of trans transgenderism and homosexuality so, I think we may have covered this a little bit um, previously, but you know in Iran, basically the, the Islamic contention, as far as I know, and you know those of you who know it better can speak more about it if you want, drop me a note or in the comments. but they, they claim that there is no homosexuality. you know, it's a problem. So if if people have that inclination, well they, they, they'll just pay for a sex change to quote make them a girl. That's how they deal with it. It's like literally head in sand. There are no gays here. You know, despite the fact that obviously, first of all, obviously, there, there, there are. And, um, you know, if you look at a place like Afghanistan, it, the, the well-known culture, a really sordid culture of um, grown men um, having, raping young boys, the Baka boys, I think that it's called. That's the name of it. So that's how they, quote, fix the problem. Um, that's how they do it. So Iran is willing to spend a lot of money on these um transgender operations and surgeries rather than admit oh yeah there's just there's just gay people and they're going to have gay sex and they're just going to live their lives as gays they don't want to know that the islamic clerics are not interested in that so that that's that um and whether so what else did you ask about the jewish well in the bible according to judaism there's a very simple um uh, commandment is that uh a man's clothes should not be on a woman's and a woman's should not be on a man. It's one of the mitzvot. It's one of the commandments. And that's basically in a nutshell that men should not be pretending to be women. Women should not be pretending to be men. Um, and as far as the actual like view on, on, um, homosexuality, it's, I think it's probably more akin to Christianity. It's like, uh, what do you, what is it? Um, love the sinner, but hate the sin. So, it's the action of homosexual sex that Judaism condemns, um, not the actual not the actual people. Having said that, it is not not easy um, to be, especially an Orthodox Jew if you are gay. It's a it's a very tough a, a very tough life, and a lot of Jewish organizations are trying to um, deal with that. It's really hard because it you know marriage and children is like a big part of it. So a lot of gay people are unfortunately ostracized from more religious communities, um, which is really sad. So that is sort of in a nutshell. And um, yeah, I don't really have time to go into like rabbinic nuances and all that sort of thing, but that's a general, that's a general comment on it. All right, let us see what else we've got here. Um, Drew Weber says, hello, Laura. Biden claims to have the most diverse administration in history. The team devises one absurd idea after another. (laughs) That is an understatement. Absurd. You're being super polite, Drew. And uh, Biden cluelessly goes along as his emptying head is filled with delusions of grandeur. Again, I think you're being too optimistic the latest being a scheme to assess higher mortgage fees to those with excellent credit scores. Liberals in the USA and beyond have always embraced stupid ideas. Seems now that they are taking it to new levels. Um, Yes, I, I would agree with that assessment. To paraphrase, how did we get stupid first gradually, then suddenly? Yes, I mean, what more is there to say? Like, it is so obvious, it is so pathetic that Joe Biden, who clearly is demented, this guy can barely function. It is so embarrassing. It's embarrassing on the world stage. It is embarrassing that America's allies are dropping America like hot potatoes. And overall, I think to myself, what kind of a wicked, wicked woman is this guy married to if it's clearly more important to her to be first lady and by the way, she has the worst taste ever. Imagine having all that money and being the first lady and wearing those disgustingly fugly schmatas all the time. Like terrible. Literally, she has the worst taste. Like, like she might as well wear a garbage bag with a ribbon on it already. Um, okay, I'm going to put my claws away. But, you know, it, it is a joke. But the serious side of it is that he will probably, he could probably get reelected And um, again, this is just to show you that uh, the left is in control. They're the boss. They can have a a dementia-riddled, pudding-eating, dumb head in the White House, allegedly the president, uh, and when it's really Obama's third term, and whoever the next guy will be, it'll be the Obama's fourth term. And um, there's nothing you can do about it. So that's the real lesson about it. So yeah, it did happen gradually, then suddenly. But uh, it's going to keep happening, so I don't know. I, I think there has to be a really um, forensic examination of the American election system and how you guys get your results. It's really, really weird stuff. Um, without that, I, I am not confident that there will be another Republican um, president, even if the will is there. You know, whether it's between DeSantis or Trump, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, you can place your bets, but. There's a real problem with the election system and the vote accounting. It's full of shenanigans. So I think that's a critical issue. Just going to take me a little sip of water. And then we will get on to some more questions. They are really, they're coming in fast and furiously. I'm going to get to as many as I can. Okay. So Steve from Manhattan says, Laura, it's a rough crowd. And if the going gets tough, I recommend you asking yourself, what would Mark do? That is that is very clever. Yes. Um, on a more serious note, I, I actually, I think that's very serious, Steve. That's like a good, that's a good maxim. On a more serious note, I've heard, I've read several articles recently on the question, is wokeism Marxist or something different? Marcuse, Mao, and Gramsci can get tossed in when discussing this toxic mix. What do you think? <clears throat> so I know a little bit about Marcuse and Mao and Gramsci. And um, I think I heard somebody describe wokeism as as Marxist Mao, something like that. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if we need to like pinpoint it on any one guy, on any one terrible, awful barbarian. It's kind of like a mix of everything awful and all of the awful ideas of all of the above. Um, you know, the bottom line is that wokeism or however you want to call it, it's just the latest incarnation of all these garbage ideas, anti-human, terrible ideas, um, and I think it just it gets a lot more um, a lot more play, and politicians are much more scared of it because of social media and how it's all accessible to people right into your phone, like right into your pocket all the time. So, um, video and audio, I think, make things a lot more real for people. And a lot more, a lot more toxic and a lot more, it penetrates places in your brain that like reading a book or a newspaper, it it doesn't have the same effect. So like when people, you know, a few decades ago, would get their news in the newspaper, you'd have to like cerebrally cerebrally read an article, consider it, use your brain, you know, whether you agree with it or not, then you might have your dinner and then you might read the rest of the paper or on Saturday you might open up the paper and have a coffee and again using different parts of your brain. And you might watch the evening news which, you know, that was never a political either, but the tenor, the the vibe was a lot different. So now we have this toxic ideology in its current incarnation, but these people have all kinds of insidious ways to be like literally in our brain most of the day. So I think that that's, that's what makes it different. That's what I think on that. It's all the same garbage, you know, as they say, same poop, different different pile. Um, but I don't think we can pinpoint it to any one barbarian. It's basically just a mix of, of the most toxic, anti-civilizational, anti-human ideas Uh, plus, you know, then you get characters like Klaus, Klaus and George Soros and all these terrible, uh, garbage billionaires, um, so they can buy the resources to spread it even further. So, uh, it's not great. It's not great. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Steve, for that question. Let's move along. Oh yeah. So Robert, I hope you can hear me better now. Um, I, I did get another request for volume. Uh, so I'm going to carry on and hope that you guys can hear me a lot better. Uh, let's see. Uh, Marshall Holstrom. China is certainly positioned to assume global leadership and is supported by an increasing number of countries. But considering they're slowly approaching demographic collapse, how long will China be able to maintain their leadership and who will p- replace them? That's that's a really good point. Um, and obviously, this is something that Mark has discussed uh, quite a bit. And he's been on top of that story uh, for a long time. China is making no secret of their uh, global leadership aspirations, and they own uh, a lot of a lot of politicians, they own a lot of property, they, loan, they own a lot of industries, they make our medicines, they make all our stuff, all the chachkas and all the everything. So, you know, in a way we are um, we are their slaves, but you're right, there's still going to need to be people, there's still going to need to be uh, Chinese leaders and polit- politicians, and demographically they are in a terrible, terrible state. So, <coughs> It's very hard to predict the future, but that's like a really toxic cocktail. Um, so I am—I don't know—I who will replace them? Look, you know, if you ask me what my wish list would be, it would be a, a more a right-leaning America because I feel that that is America's destiny. The reason why much of the world is in the pits right now is because of the abdication of American leadership. I mean, it's true; it's really heartbreaking. Like when I think about it, I I could almost start to cry. Um, you know, as Mark pointed out recently in a in a in an earlier uh, broadcast, the Suez Crisis was the was the ending of the British Empire and their leadership, and then the baton was passed to America, and America has passed it along to China of all people. So it's it's disheartening. You know, um, somebody today I was talking to a a, a couple of Persian ladies. And we were discussing, you know, what the current situation in Iran is right now. And they were asking me, you know, what do Canadians think about it? What does Israel think about it? Because they were remarking about um, the crown prince visiting Israel, which I thought was quite, quite remarkable. And we, we were, both of us agreed that, you know, a real problem in Iran being free is that there's no American leadership to support the, the dissidents and their aspirations for freedom. Um, you know, if it was if there was a Reagan in America or even Trump, I think that the Iranians would have a, a greater chance of finally um, getting rid of the mullah autocracy. So um, I, I don't I don't know. I mean China has sort of an empire right now, um, and they're holding a lot of banknotes. Um, but I'm not sure that there's any other country really now that's poised to assume the leadership. I mean Russia is not, going to be able to do that um iran certainly can't so i don't think i can predict that i think we're going to have to just wait and see unfortunately thank you very much for that question um let us go to norman all right norman laura thanks for linking to the spiked article about the shameful silence on the west bank massacre It was a very good article, but surely the continued obsession of referring to Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria as West Bank settlements, quote unquote, as Brendan O'Neill and everyone else does, is also part of the media attempt to legitimize violence against Jews who live there. Yeah, that is definitely the case. Absolutely. Also, I note that O'Neill referred to the BBC report saying that the, quote, shooting took place hours after Israeli warplanes carried out airstrikes in southern Lebanon and the Gaza Strip, while he criticized the, quote, moral linking of the events, he failed to state that those airstrikes were, the, were themselves in response to an enormous barrage of missiles filed, f- fired from Lebanon and Gaza into Israel in a series of terrorist attacks. None of that was ever reported by the mainstream media. Yes, that is true, Norman, you have correctly summarized. I mean, let's let's be honest, the BBC they hate Israel and they hate Jews. They hate us. And they sneer at Israel all the time. They're so rude and sneering. And it just is the most thinly veiled anti-Semitism. It's so pathetic. And it's so it's so ridiculous too. I mean, Jews just hold a place in their head, which is, you know, so sinister and evil. And, um, you know, people talk about this, the people who are anti-Israel and and have a problem with Jews generally talk about the cycle of violence. Well, you know, there really isn't a cycle of violence when there are clearly civilians and armed terrorists. I mean, and so what they do with that, the terror apologists, is say that, oh, every civilian in Israel is a is a soldier. You know, just they just rationalize it. It's really a bloodthirsty, terrible, terrible thing. Um, and I'm, I'm pessimistic about the Palestinians because they have decades and decades of this virulently um, anti-Jewish bloodlust instilled in their children. That's their education system. It's really awful, and it's going to, if there's any effort even put into trying to change it, which I'm pessimistic about, it will take many generations to, to lose that, um, I can only call it like the bloodlust, um, and again, it's not that it's not possible for Arabs and Jews to make peace with one another. I, I look at the, the Abraham Accords. But particularly, I think the Palestinian culture is very problematic, violent. They have a lot of violence you know, in, in and amongst themselves as well. And unfortunately, um, it's going to take them being c- continuously, um, not humiliated, but like beaten down in the sense that they're not going to be able to um be an existential threat to Israel and to the Jews. So they they kind of grudgingly accept that that they can't get rid of the whole state. So they align themselves with Iran. <coughs> excuse me. which has the capacity with a nuclear bomb obviously to try to decimate Israel as a as a country. But other than that, they can only hurt, you know, individual Jews and individual Jewish families and individual other families. Um so really the only solution is going to be when the Palestinians uh, heed somebody like Churchill's advice, and when Churchill was asked about the possibility of peace with the IRA, he basically had a four-word uh, mantra, uh, and I read this in one of the autobiographies of or a biography of Churchill where he said, "Stop killing, start talking. Stop killing, and start talking. So nothing's impossible." But until the Palestinians stop killing and start talking, this is going to go on and on and on, unfortunately. Let us move along and see how we are on our timing. We are good. It is uh, still uh, 3.42. We got lots of time for more questions. So let's see what we've got here. Oh, it is Fran. Hello, Fran. How are you? Um, Fran has a question. We're going to take Fran's. Dear Laura... Thanks for filling in for our great, great host and great guest host, especially when you're not feeling so healthy. Yeah, I'm. I'm basically okay. I just, I just like complaining, Fran. I have to ask because it's hitting me today after reading through your once, great, great your once great Britain links, uh, that what is being demanded of the general population is that we accept deviant behavior with open arms and as mainstream behavior, or else. It's quite maddening that the onus is on normal people to adapt to their deviant behavior. I respect people's rights to have a different view of their own sexuality apart from regular folks, but they seem to have taken their deviant behavior to new heights or lows more like it as they've painted themselves as victims of society in general and I wonder at what group they will stop at, I wonder at what group they will stop at as they target whoever they see as opposing their ideology. Will it just be Christian school children? Um, Thanks for that question, Fran. It's a heavy one. Uh, No, of course not. They're not going to stop at Christian school children. Um, That's sort of just the start. Um, There's no no low bar. You know, there's a lot of deviance out there, and you're right. And like I said uh, earlier, it's really a very, it's a small, very vocal, very aggressive minority with lots of time on their hands that is pushing this stuff forward. And it'll also be pushed forward, as Mark always points out, by people who will never have to pay the cost of of those policies. So if you are a Nancy Pelosi or other, you know, quote, civil servants who somehow have turned into like multi-millionaires by being civil servants, isn't that weird? But if you have enough money, you can pretty much buy your privacy and buy your isolation from the the results of the policies that you've put in place which destroy society so that's why being like a grassroots activist is actually really important you know people scoff at um, the role of like school trustees and um, local city councillors but that's actually where the power um, starts you know and local is important And also preserving, not not just in terms of policy, but preserving like the character of your neighborhood or your schools. So yes, there's a lot of deviance, and there's never going to be a live and let live with these people. So every time they smash a barrier, um, they're already looking at the next one. You know, like gay marriage was one such thing, whatever your opinions are about it, it's like a done deal. But they're not stopping at that. They were already on to trans. And and the next thing, I mean they're not really making much of a secret about it, but obviously anybody who has eyes can see that the next frontiers are um legalizing and um you know anesthetizing people to pedophilia, normalizing it. Um and polygamy. I think that that's where this is going. So um it's going to get worse before it gets better unless people are are up in arms and and vocal and do stuff. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Let's go now. We're going to go up to Eric Dale. Eric Dale says, Hey, Laura and fellow club members. Once again, come the days of the queen of the Q&A. Long may she (laughs) reign. Thank you kindly, my subject. Um, What are your thoughts on the imprisonment of Jack tixera for allegedly leaking the truth about the war in ukraine how is it the so-called greatest military power in the world has its greatest secrets exposed by a 20-something nobody again remember bradley manning or is there more to the story how is the u.s military this inept okay so i think it's way too early to be um even commenting for the most part on that story um it's it's extremely weird it doesn't make any sense, and I think we need a little bit more time before we can figure out who benefits, who is benefiting from this crazy story. Um, and as to your question, if the U.S. military, this inept, yes, of course they are. Look at that that Milly weirdo who's the head of the military. Look at General Rachel, whatever her name is, the the fugly guy with the bad hair. Who was a male doctor and now is a dress wearing whatever, she, she, or je. So, yes, the American military is pathetic. It's a joke now. It needs uh, to be, I don't know, I don't know. What do you do to militaries? You rehaul them, you reconstruct them. It is a joke. And everybody in the world knows that. And yeah, but uh, do, and how do we know that that guy is saying the truth about anything? I think take a little while. Uh, I think a lot more information will probably leak out in the next few weeks. So let's, let's pause on that and uh, revisit. It's just too strange, too strange a story. I think right now to, uh, be drawing any conclusions. Let's, let's put a pause on that one. Okay. Let's see. Um, George Pazin, Pazin, Pazin. Hello, George. Hello, wonderful Laura. You know, you and my mom and my dad think I'm wonderful. Isn't that awesome? Okay. Can you explain what is going on in Israel? Is Bibi really in trouble? Is the country really so split? I only see U.S. reports that I can't believe are accurate. I just don't understand why he doesn't have a huge amount of support in the Israeli people. Um, Good question. Really complicated, long, big topic. He he does have a lot of support. You know, he's a really, uh, he is a leader. Um, and he did win a majority of seats. The problem is that there really is a very big divide politically in the country. You know, central Israel, Tel Aviv is very secular, very left-wing, and then the rest of the country, for the most part, is more traditional and leans to the right. Um, The left has had a hold on power in Israel through institutions since the founding of the state. I'll, I'll just throw out, like, a few points, but basically you know, the the Jews that fled Europe, who came to um, develop the land to escape uh, and came to Israel, they were also divided. um, And and on the brink of civil war, you know, there was the Jabotinsky faction, the Beitar and Jabotinsky and Menachem Begin side of things. And then there was the Ben-Gurion and the whole labor establishment. And if you look up an incident called the Altalena, um, you can you can see a little bit more about that, but basically, you know Ben Gurion and the left—they were willing to shed blood. They were willing to have a civil war. They were horrible to right-leaning conservative, traditional Jews, to Sephardic Jews, to Jews of um, Arab origin. So th- these are these are currents that have been running through Israeli society um, for a long time. And I think the problem is that like the way that they introduced the the reforms in Israel they they thought that they could get away with just ramming everything through I think that they were probably caught um, a little bit off guard by the reaction of the left but um, as an illustration I'll tell you I saw a clip today where a left-wing guy was talking to one of the ministers in the Israeli government <clears throat> excuse me in Hebrew and Israel today about how you know you you pushed us against the wall Like, I'm not a political person, but you tried to do this all in one fell swoop, and I didn't feel like I had any choice but to demonstrate, and you forced this on us, blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's like, he said, it's like when there's a couple, and then one makes a decision about something they've they've always been doing, it's always been the same way, and then one decides something radical without consulting the other, and then the couple end up having to split up. And I felt that that was not a very compelling um, argument. It, it, so, it's more like what happened in Israel is like if there was a couple and the husband has be, been beating the crap out of the woman for a long time. And then the wife is like, Yeah, later, dude, I'm leaving you. And the husband's like, You're not leaving me. You're staying right here. And the wife is like, No, you, you, you beat me up and I'm out of here. We're done. But, and, you know, that's that to me, that's more like it. So, basically, the, the Israeli Supreme Court has had unfettered, un, unimaginable power. Um, in Israel. And what that has meant is that no matter who was elected, you know, sort of similar to in America, like the permanent bureaucracy. So the Israeli left has the institutions, the police, the army, the upper echelons of the army, including the um, intelligence forces, pilots, that, that's all been very calculated and inculcated that they come from the left-wing, um, more elite, um, Ashkenazi, lefty parts of society. And, um, and then, that's In addition, it didn't matter who was elected to the Knesset because they had the Supreme Court. And because Israel doesn't have a constitution, the Supreme Court gave itself these unfettered powers and also the power to, uh, to make rulings on things without parties having standing. So anybody could bring something to the Supreme Court and... Um, And then the Supreme Court gave itself the powers to decide something based on these, quote, basic laws that there are in Israel, based on reasonableness, whether these enlightened, benighted judges felt that something was reasonable. So they held all the power, like pure power. So that is why the fight has been so vicious. Because, you know, the left has been since Menachem Begin was elected, the left has been very bitter about the uppity right wings and conservatives having any power in Israel. But they didn't have to care entirely because they still had the Supreme Court. So that's really what's been going on in Israel. Um, And yeah, if you have any other questions about it, feel free to drop a comment. It's a it's a big topic, but that's kind of in a nutshell. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, okay. Another sort of depressing comment here. KD. Uh, thanks KD. I watched with horror the video of an Islamic cleric. Oh, sorry. Of an ev- Islamic event in a cathedral in Ghent and could not help but think the violence that would result if Christians or Jews tried to hold an event in a mosque. But maybe it's time they did. Until we say no more, Islam will continue to try to take not only our public spaces, but our religious spaces, what say ye? Well, yes, obviously that is the case. I, again, you know, um, I think Christians and Jews um, are reluctant to, to do things uh, like the way you describe, like provocation type of stuff, because we still feel um, very live and let live about things, you know, we don't do that kind of thing, but, but Islam has no qualms about that, Um, and they're very bold and ballsy, and that's that was the initial philosophy of you know getting more believers. It was um it was by the sword. It wasn't by by convincing people. It wasn't by by conversation or by argument. So, um, I think it's obviously a terrible mistake to have these interfaith um, types of celebrations. Um, it would not happen in 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 the reverse. There is no mutual. Um, sh- there, there's no um reciprocity with these things. and that is that is what we have to focus on. If there is no reciprocity, we shouldn't be doing it. Um, so thanks, thanks, Katie, for that. it's It's not a good thing to do that kind of thing. It's very silly and naive and uh, leads to bad things. Okay. Uh, oh my gosh. we are getting close, whoa to the. <laughs> to the end of the hour. This has really gone by quickly. I hope you guys have, uh, also found it going by quick. So let's take a couple of, uh, short questions. Oh my gosh, there's so many. I will maybe, maybe we'll try to address some of these, um, in next week's column. Hopefully we'll be able to do that. So let me just check what we have here. Um, can be, uh, hi, Laura. I read with interest the link you posted children are not property, which set up a convenient straw man, as no parent believes their children are property, yes, obviously, however, the author did not address the real issue that children do not belong to the government either. We, as parents, have the most basic link to our children, and they are of us, they are our blood. Is this a part of the move to delegitimize the family itself and make us, dare I say it, property of the state? Why do these people trust the straight state so much? So, yeah, exactly, Ken, you've you've described it exactly, what they want to do is take, they want they want individual humans and, and parents to produce children for the state's purposes you know just like in the soviet union or or chinese methods and um, of course parents don't consider that we own our children like property but it is our responsibility and our right to educate them and to give them the education that we want the sense of morals the sen- the, the 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 backing um, that we that we choose and yes uh, it's to delegitimize the family, to destabilize the nuclear family, to make the state you know in the role of father and parent, and um, I don't think it's that they trust the state. I think it's just that they are the state. Like those people, the people who are writing the articles, and I think that author actually is childless as well. But you know, they are the people who are in government they they aspire to these positions specifically so that they can control other people's wealth, you know, through taxation and as a natural extension of that, other people's children. So it works for them, um, but it's definitely something that we need to fight back very, very strongly. Um, and yes, absolutely. You've, you've completely uh, nailed, nailed what it is. So lots of stuff to fight back on you guys. <laughs> Don't get tired. Don't be like me. Don't get tired on a Friday afternoon. You can start fighting stuff right now. Hit your keyboard. Uh, I'm going to take a little sip of water, and then I think we have time for probably like one one or two more, uh, and then I, I'm going to go back to um, domestic servitude, as I like to call it, otherwise known as preparing for the Sabbath and taking care of the humans in my family who for some reason really still like to eat three meals a day like to have laundry done, it's all this stuff, it just never ends. So let me get a little water and then we're gonna take the last one or two and then we're gonna wrap it up. Okay, Uh, let's see. Uh, Curious Jack, is there anything in Canada similar to 15-minute cities or U-L-E-Z zones? And if so, how are they being received? Canada is such a large country, it seems like it would be hard to realistically give up automobiles. Um, I've only seen a couple articles about proposed 15 minute cities, but I think it's like at the bylaw introduction council stage, like there's been nothing officials. There's lots of places where stupidly in Canada, where it becomes, you know, minus 40 degrees Celsius in the winter, there are bike lanes everywhere, like in Toronto, which is also stupid. So there's plenty of stupid and there's plenty of people who are going to think that the 15 minute cities are a great idea. I do not, but no, I haven't seen it really um, official sort of pop, pop up yet. Okay, let's take a quick look. Um, let's see. Okay, last one for you guys, and then I'm going to have to sign off because it's getting late. Uh, somebody saying, Mark, so glad you'll be in charge of the fart choir Uh I understand Larry Fink is paying the way, so you can go on his private jet with Klaus Schwab, etc., eating foie gras and champagne delivered by Macron for the 15-minute flight to the coronation. Okay, <laughs> we all know that uh, Mark is really taking this very seriously. Please do not joke around. It's a very serious issue. It's the it's the king. So uh, Joe McKinnery, please do not uh, joke about that. It's very very serious. Okay, last last thing. Robert Stewart says, in Washington state, the legislature recently passed a bill that links abortion rights with transgender transformation of children. These are strange bedfellows. I can understand a woman who wants to plan her family or have no family at all. I cannot understand who benefits from mutilating children. Who wants to undermine women's athletics? What's the common ground that allows all these desperate, disparate interests to intersectionalize? Robert, they want to destroy you. So if they can't destroy you and kill you, they want to maim your children, destroy your families destroy civilization. It's all about that. It's nihilistic, all of it. It's to punish people. Um, it's to make people sad and dependent and drug addled. It's a very, it's, it's very, it's just, it's evil forces. Evil forces are trying to do this to children. There are people who are profiting from it. There are people who are just getting their kicks from it. It's like, why were toddlers masked? You know, it's like fetish stuff. It's really, really sick stuff. Um, and unfortunately we don't have time to get into all of the sickness, but, uh, that's really what it is. So you guys have to stay vigilant. Um, we're going to wrap things up now and I want to just encourage you guys to always do what you can and keep fighting and don't, uh, don't despair. Don't get discouraged. Keep saying your prayers, keep doing what you can and, uh, keep supporting Mark because, you know, he is really really a giant and has been uh, fighting so many battles. And as I said, he is in this one with Ofcom, in it to win it. And uh, we wanna do all we can to make sure that he is successful. So I'm gonna sign off now from my perch here in uh, suburban uh, Southern Ontario and get ready for the Sabbath. I hope hope you guys have a great weekend and feel free to carry on and pop some more comments into the comments, I will try to get to them in um an upcoming column or feel free to shoot me an email via the club if you like. And that is it. I am going to be signing off, you guys. It was a pleasure being with you. You guys all take care, okay? Bye for now. Mark Stein's Clubland Q&A is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. All rights reserved.